Hello and welcome to the Fit and Free podcast. This is a podcast for women who want it all, to feel strong and confident in their bodies, as well as enjoying a sneaky mug on a Friday night. I'm an exercise physiologist and sports nutritionist here to teach you how to achieve your body goals without food and your body controlling your life. So let's jump in. Hello, you guys, and welcome back to another episode. In today's episode, I have another special guest joining me, Christina. She is a dietitian that really specializes in eating disorders, finding food freedom, and healing your body image. We have such a good conversation in and around the importance of looking at these journeys as not just a food approach, but instead a holistic approach and why it's important to be focusing on your body image, focusing on your food patterns and the way you're eating, and as well as how you're showing up with your exercise. We speak about the importance of focusing on our health and the impacts that diet culture has on us and how to truly break free from thoughts of food, thoughts of your body, so you can finally live your best life. So let's jump in. Thank you so much for being here, Christina. I appreciate it so much. First of all, I would love it if you could tell us a little bit about you, who you help and what you really specialize in. So my name is Christina. I'm a women's health and disordered eating dietitian. So I work with people to help them find freedom around food, help them, I guess, feel normal around food again. So that's where my passion's kind of at. And I work through like a one-on-one kind of basis. So I do lots of that stuff. And then as well, being a dietitian and an online content creator, I'm also doing mm-hmm. like recipe development and stuff like that, which is always fun. <laughs> Yes. And oh my God, have you hit 10K yet? I saw on your Instagram. I I think it's coming. I'm like a few (laughs) people away, but yeah, I think it's coming. I like before this podcast, I was like, oh, it would be nice if by the time I get on this podcast, (laughs) I'm over at 10K. Um, But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If anyone's listening to this, honestly, Christina has such good content. It's so aesthetically pleasing. It's so colorful and there's so much value in it. So you guys definitely need to go check that out. (laughs) Thank you. <laughs> um, I love that you work in this space because, you know, there are so many women struggling with. So it's so beautiful that you can sit in there and help those women with those specific problems. So for me, for a really long time, like I didn't even know what food freedom meant. And I definitely had a really poor relationship with food. And at the time, I didn't really realize it because I was so, you know, stuck in that diet culture. So for those who don't know what food freedom is, can you define it for us? And how do you help your clients achieve it? Yeah. So food freedom, it can look completely different for everyone, like however you want to kind of define it for yourself. But broadly, it is about giving yourself unconditional permission to eat the foods you want to eat, ditching the diet culture and letting go of any restrictions or rules you kind of have around food. Mm -hmm. So that's how I guess the broad definition of food freedom looks like. But as I said, there is no set one. This is what it is. It kind of just looks different and it feels different for everyone. And I think overall, that's the beauty of, I guess, the food and the eating experience is that I guess my message as well is like, there is no kind of one size that fits all. It's literally how it feels for you, what it looks like for you, as long as it's obviously promoting that overall health for both your mind and body. So that's kind of what it, I guess, looks like and how broadly you would define it. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that in terms of giving yourself permission. And that's something that I literally am telling my clients every single day. It's yes, it's, I know I'm more in like sort of the specific like body recomposition sort of space, but that's one of my number one rules with all my clients. It's food freedom first. That needs a healthy relationship with food because once you have that, everything becomes so much easier. Your life becomes more free. And I love the fact that you said not one size fits all because I absolutely agree in that because we're all different, right? We all like different things. We all have different lifestyles. So our food absolutely should look different as well. So how do you help your clients achieve food freedom? Like what are some of the first things that you specifically do? Yeah. So I guess my process when I'm working with someone just broadly around healing their relationship with food, disordered eating, um, food freedom, those kind of topics is I work through the process of three different phases, including the mind, body and food phase, because I guess like in my opinion, and I guess I've gone through my own journey with having a eating disorder and all those things is that you can't work on one of those things without working on the others. Because if say you work on the food side of things and you allow yourself to eat all the foods in the world, like that can be great. But if every time you pick up a piece of food, you're having that mental battle and then afterwards triggering guilty. Yeah. You can't like that isn't food freedom. Food freedom looks like having that within your mind, body and food. So when I work with my clients, I work through those phases of the mind, body and food. Mm -hmm. With each individual client, it's not a step-by-step kind of process of like one, two, three, this is what we work on. It's normally all at the same time, because as I said, you have to do it all at the same time for it to actually work. So mind, body, food, the process, that's kind of the phase I work with. When we look at the mind, that is dealing with the impact of diet culture, understanding broadly around restrictive diets, why they don't work, the Mm -hmm. science of, I guess, weight regain around yo-yo dieting and all that stuff. So that's like the mind stuff, which also goes into underlying beliefs um, for that person as well, what they've brought up in, all those different things, because you know how much online, in social media, TV, magazines, all that stuff, that impact of dieting, diet culture has. So that's really the mind process of it is dealing with beliefs, dealing with what the root cause of certain things are around. The next kind of, I guess, moving on from that is like the body phase. So that's also dealing with on a base level, like biological needs around food. So that does kind of touch into the food side of things. But as I said, you can't kind of work on all this food freedom stuff with neglecting the biological needs because it can be good and all to be like, okay, I'm allowing myself to eat the pizza, to eat whatever it is. But if you're still restricting yourself, like physically from food or mentally from food, you're still going to be craving, potentially binge eating, all those other things. Mm. So that's like the body phase, dealing with that biological need around food, also around like the ending the war with your body. So I am massive on, I guess, finding, um, being confident in yourself, empowering yourself, all those different things through food, through movement, through whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what the body phase is really, I guess, targeted around is that body image is addressing again, the root causes around your relationship with your body. Like what does that yeah. look like? So that's where that, I guess, kind of goes into around like the body. Um, when we then kind of 
go onto the food phase, that's then kind of introducing a bit of that like gentle nutrition side of things. So I'm a dietitian. I've studied six years. I know that there is certain foods that are going to make us food feel better. Certain foods are going to make us put on muscle, train better, all those things. So we don't ever neglect that. I think with mm. this kind of food freedom space, I think sometimes people try and find, I guess, like you've got to be one or the other. You've got to be all macro counting, all doing like focusing on nutrition, or you've got to be all completely like, nah, screw nutrition, eat what I want to eat, who cares? But I'm like, we know that there is so much science behind fueling your body, giving your body the certain nutrients that it does need, which is why I guess the term gentle nutrition comes in because it's like, I want to still educate my clients around that. I want to tell them what's going to make them feel better. What's going to make them feel good when they train. What's going to help, I guess, they're having really bad symptoms with potentially their menstrual cycle, like whatever it looks like. So they're still focusing on that side of things, but also acknowledging the other side, which is the emotional side, the physical side, all those different things. So that's, I guess, the food size as well is a lot around that gentle nutrition, Mm -hmm. but also around finding, I guess, what kind of eating pattern structure works for you. It's about looking at food rules. Do you have any food rules? Like going by one by one to break those down. And then as well, I guess, equipping more the emotional eating side of things as well. So Mm. honoring your fullness and hunger cues, being aware of, am I using food to cope with my emotion? Like all of those different things, which again, sometimes it's kind of like, you've got to find one side of the camp, but I'm like, all that stuff can be added within it and can be used to actually help someone feel empowered, feel confident within their body and ultimately reach this food freedom, both like in their mind and body. So that's how... I guess my kind of process is is going through those three different phases at different stages. I guess I really tailor it to who I'm kind of working with, what they've kind of worked on, what might be a bit trickier for them. So really going through that is, um, I think, essential when you do kind of work through this with someone, because as I said, you can't work on one thing and just ignore the other side. Yes. And oh, that's such an important message. And I fully believe that as well in terms of we need to look at this in a holistic way in terms of thinking about our body and how we perceive ourselves, our body image, and then working on, you know, all the things that you just said, because you're completely right. Like if you're still looking at yourself and you're not liking what you're seeing when you look at yourself in the mirror, and then you've got that like tendency to then go restrict, then it kind of is not, you know, fixing any of the problem and I completely agree in terms of like that personalized approach as well because again not everyone needs to be working on this 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 it needs to be okay this is where you're at this is what you need to focus on and so on so I absolutely love that you do that it's good and then the other thing I wanted to say is like you're bang on in terms of like we need to look at the root cause of these problems right because people are just really always trying to focus on their actions rather than what's causing their actions and that's a big thing that I see in the coaching industry it's like oh you just be more disciplined or just be more motivated but really you're not actually fixing the root cause of the problem which is your belief system that's causing you to act that way so I love that you're also in on that and really actually like helping people through the root cause of the problem another thing that you said in that whole food freedom thing and I love that you brought it up in terms of that gentle nutrition 
Mm. I know there's like that big misconception. People think, well, if I give myself permission to eat what I want, then I'll like, then I'll get fat or then everything will just go out the window and I'll lose control. But I think bringing that into it and letting people know that that's not it and that's not actually how it goes because there is still like principles that you follow, right? Like we still need to fuel our bodies correctly, like you said, with the macros, micros and making sure we're fueling our bodies correctly. So it's like, yes, it's finding that food freedom, but it's also absolutely like fueling our bodies correctly. Yeah. I love all of that. Let's talk about diet culture because it it grinds my gears. I see it like literally watching TV this morning. They're still talking about New Year's bloody resolution diets. So in your opinion, what are some of the main issues with diet culture and the negative thoughts and beliefs they make us have about our bodies? Yeah, I might just also, before we go into that, define Mm. like diet culture, just for anyone listening that might be like, because I think the word gets thrown around so much, but it's like, what is this diet culture word? So diet culture, again, it can be defined as, I guess, a system of kind of beliefs, practices that idolizes thinness and smaller bodies. Um, So it overall really heavily encourages the pursuit of weight loss. It can like demonize certain ways of eating. So like the restriction side of things um, and like thrives on people's insecurities, I guess, wanting to feel accepted, all those different things. And then ultimately the other side of it is it kind of oppresses people who don't, I guess, fit that mold of Mm -hmm. fitness and beauty and all those things. So I think overall in short, diet culture is have a massive focus on thinness, being smaller, smaller, fitting that society mold rather being healthy and just enjoying life and all those different things. So that's like, I guess, how you want to define diet culture. And the main issues, as I've kind of said with it, is that it heavily encourages this pursuit of weight loss. It heavily encourages being smaller um, and kind of praises that. So the main issues with it is the whole like system within it. So it's like social media, as you said, you look on social media, it's someone promoting a new diet to lose weight, to go on this like fast, restrictive five-week challenge, whatever it is. It's all these things that kind of promise like, oh, if you get here, you're going to be happy. You're going to be accepted, like all those different things. So that's, I guess, the broad issues with diet culture is that it is promoting this ideal over then someone being healthy. And it kind of is like, this is the one mold for the season. Because as we know that if you look at the body ideals over the last 50 years, they've changed so much and there's a new style and shape of body that is in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at the time, it's always kind of just promoting that one thing. But the reason I guess diet culture is bad and why we don't like it is because it's promoting ways of eating that aren't sustainable. It's not promoting health. So mm-hmm. I know my own journey, I went through an eating disorder. So when I was trying like cope within this illness, I was like, I wasn't getting healthier. Yes, I was getting smaller and quote unquote, doing what diet culture is promising. That's going to make me happy, accepted all these things. But the smaller I got, the further away I got from my health, my happiness, acceptance, life, like all these things. So it promotes this big butterflies and fairies and everything mm-hmm. of ending result. But really, you end up with just guilt, anxiety around food, shame, social mm-hmm. isolation, all these different things. And then usually people end up with either disordered eating or eating disorders. Mm-hmm. Um 
which is why is the main issue with it is that it is not promoting this health and you can just get so trapped into these cycles and it can be so like sneaky and lots of people don't actually aren't really aware of what does diet culture actually look like and different things so yeah broadly there is many issues (laughs) wrong with (laughs) it but it's comes all the way back to I guess that health and it's like it's not promoting health Mm. It wants you to think that it is, which people that don't have that education and awareness don't understand, which is why I love what you're doing. I love having these conversations because it Mm. brings that education and awareness to all these different things. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And it's such a thing, right? Because like I was trapped in this diet culture and I, it was exactly the same for me, right? Like it wasn't healthy. I lost my period. I was constantly yeah. stressing about food. And it's so crazy when we're so impressionable because we care about our, like, want our bodies to look a certain way that we yeah. like do anything to get there. But from these empty promises of, oh, you're going to look so good. You're going to be so confident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then it's not focusing on health at all. And like the ironic thing is, is when I started focusing on my health and when I started, you know, switching that mindset from wanting to be smaller to wanting to be stronger, my life completely changed. So yeah, yeah, it's so wild. And it is really an industry, right, that thrives off people's failure. Yeah. Someone fails. Okay, cool. This is the next thing that you can try. This is the next Mm. thing. It's just like, it's wild. (laughs) And I think like to touch on that as well, the other thing that like, with the diet culture and thriving on people's insecurities as well, mm-hmm. is that I think lots of people as well, like even if we do talk about eating disorders, is a lot of the time it comes up out of a coping mechanism for something else that is going on. Yeah. And that is very similar with the whole diet culture, someone wanting to pursue weight loss or change their body, whatever it is. It's usually underlying back when we go to the root cause is it's a coping mechanism for something. It's someone wanting to find safety, control, whatever it is. Worthiness. Yeah. Which again, it thrives off that. And that's how I guess it kind of starts a cycle going. And when you get caught in it, the way that our society is, is you get affirmed, you get all these different things for weight loss and stuff when really taking you, yeah, it's taking you further away from the health you're trying to achieve or the way I guess how to cope with maybe a tricky situation in your life or time or whatever it is so yeah it's definitely a tricky and very complex like topic but yeah absolutely (laughs) definitely uh um Christina I would love it if you could dive a little bit deeper into your story because you've touched on it a few times now and I know that you're really good at helping your clients through it, but what was your own experience like? How were you able to move through the diet culture and then find your own food freedom and how you are today? Yeah. So I guess it's a very, I guess, similar story to potentially what other people may have experienced to some different levels, but going through school, I guess I didn't have major, I guess, issues and I didn't really have that awareness around my body as much but as I guess as you got into high school as you got older you kind of started to get like aware of like oh I'm a bit like I guess I don't look the same as other people or different things like that so I think that kind of started and like different things that you kind of pick up throughout high school but um I guess for me it kind of like where it kind of really kicked off was after I finished school I just joined the gym as I was going to uni. I started studying mm-hmm. exercise science, actually. Yeah. So I originally wanted to go that pathway. Um, but yeah, started studying that, started going to a popular gym, which I think lots of people are aware of. Um, and then with that, um, I ended up doing like a one of their 
think it was a six week or an eight week challenge or whatever. So I started doing that. And when I started doing that, um, it was obviously a very restrictive diet. I kind of didn't know any better. I was like, oh, this is like how I'm meant to be eating. Like, this is great. So I started doing that lost some weight with that. Then when I started losing weight, I started getting the affirmations around like, oh, you look great. Like, what are you doing? Like all of this stuff. So and my brain was kind of like, oh, great. This is how I get attention. This is how I get love, worthy, acceptance, all that different stuff. So kind of went through that. I lost um, like weight doing that first kind of process. And then as I came to the end of it, I was like, oh, this is great. Like people are like, what I'm doing is a good thing. Like I'm so healthy. I'm only eating like salad and chicken all day. Like I'm the pinnacle of health kind of thing. So I was kind of in this really like, I guess, honey moon phase high of like, I've been on the diet. It's great. People are affirming me. And then I think a month later, the next kind of diet challenge came around and I was like, great, I'm going to do it again because I want to lose more weight. Because I guess even when I first started, I thought, oh, I want to get down to this certain weight. And then I got down to there, but I was still not happy with my body, still unsatisfied. And I was like, no, I'll just go again. I'll do another one because if I do another one, then I'll finally be happy, be accepted, all those things that I thought losing weight would kind of promise me. So yeah, I went through another kind of cycle of it. And when I got to the end of this second cycle, I had lost a like significant amount of weight over that year. Again, I didn't have a period for, I generally thought, and this is what's kind of sad, but obviously I give myself so much compassion now for it, is that I thought like I was healthy enough to not have a period. Like, I don't know why that was even in my brain at the time, but I generally thought not having my period was a good thing. So I didn't really think about it for ages because I was like, oh, great. Don't have to worry about this. So yeah, lost my period all the different things that came with it. I literally remember a time where me and my friends all went out to dinner. Um, I think it was like Betty's Burgers or something. And I literally bought my cup, like container of like boiled zucchini with some light mayonnaise and my chicken. And I sat there and ate it. And like, now I look back and I'm like, oh, I just want to give younger me a massive hug and just like hold her. But yeah, at the same time, I do kind of look back and I laugh at it. And I was like, what was I thinking? Like that, but that was so normal to me. And I was like, oh, this is what I'm doing. Like, this is how I'm meant to be healthy. Like I've reached like the healthiness. Like I can't even believe that people eat this food, like all this stuff that goes through your brain. Yep. So yeah, I went through that kind of process. And during that whole time, again, I didn't think anything was wrong. I thought I was so healthy, thought it was so normal. And then I kind of started to catch on to the point that like I'd lost all my muscles. So I was very mm-hmm. like, yes, I've lost weight, but I was not strong. I was so tired. So then I kind of like transitioned into like, oh no, I want to kind of build some muscle and stuff. So that's when I started um, like going to the gym, building a bit of muscle and stuff. And like within that process, I did gain a bit of weight, um, nothing, I guess, compared to what I had lost, but I did gain weight and went through that process. And then like, I guess, went through that phase, a few months kind of passed. And then I went through like another tricky time in my life and different family situations where then I kind of all the control that I once had kind of was up in the air, um, similar to like the pandemic and different things like that. Mm-hmm. But um, that's when I then kind of slipped back into controlling my food because I guess so much around me was up in the air and whatnot. So my mind, the only way it knew to kind of get that acceptance worthy love control was by controlling my body and food. So that's when I kind of 
slipped back into it and then kind of went through that process. And again, I didn't think there was anything wrong, didn't have a period, had all these health complications. Um, And I was still, I guess, so in denial of anything kind of going wrong, which is so, I guess, common for people as they, and I literally didn't think I'm like, oh no, I don't have an eating disorder. Like I'm not like the picture that I guess when we say an eating disorder, people think of. Yeah, I was like, I'm not like that. Like I, I still eat my food. Like I don't, you know, do all these like different things. So yeah, I generally didn't think there was anything wrong until my doctor was kind of like, oh, I like really want you to go see a psychologist um, and just to look into these other things. And I was like, oh, you know, like, I don't know. Um, Like I was, again, still in denial, but I was kind of like, I'll just go on like with it. And then it actually got to a point where she was kind of like to me, I like, you either, either need to start like working on and gaining weight because like your body is not in a healthy point and you're at like a medical like compromise or I'm going to like send refer you into like an inpatient setting so it got to that point and I was kind of like that was the first kind of like shock of like oh gosh this is like an issue like maybe I'm not healthy maybe I'm not like doing the best that my body like needs at the moment so that was I guess a bit of enough to kind of shock me for some people I guess they can still continue down that pathway, yeah. but that was a bit of a shock. And then that was at the first point where I kind of realized, I was like, oh, I think there's like something going on. Yeah. And I think like personally, there was so much shame around that, like admitting that there was something wrong, that I wasn't yeah. healthy, that, and all that stuff, which I think, again, something not talked about, but yeah. so much shame around like, oh gosh, like how do I tell my family? How do I tell my friends about this? Because yeah. they think that I'm so healthy. And healthy. like, I think people were def- like definitely starting to become aware and like asking me how I'm doing all those different things. But yeah. yeah, there was lots of shame around just admitting that there was something wrong and that I needed help. But I think that was also like the catalyst to being like, oh, okay, like maybe there's more to this. Maybe I should kind of look into different things. So yeah, I went through that process, ended up being diagnosed with anorexia nervosa. So I went through that whole process and finally like committed to it because at that time, I guess, even if we talk about the food freedom side of things, like all I would think about was food all day long. All All I would think about was, okay, cool. I've got to get up. I've got to go for my walk. I've got to do these steps and then I'm going to come home and then I've got to do this and then I'm going to do my like my workout and then like my whole day revolved around food and my body and how I could eat less how I could like move my body more and that was like it was like the thoughts as well were so like intrusive and that's why when we do talk about an eating disorder it is a mental illness it's not just I guess this broad thing of like, oh yeah, people just like want to be skinnier, whatever it is. Like it is an illness and that's why you do need that support and medical support around it as well. Um, So yeah, I went through that process, went through recovery process, had the support of like my own dietitian and all my own psychologist, which I think was just so vital during Mm -hmm. that time because I generally, and I did, I tried for probably six months on my own to try and get out of this disorder that like eating disorder that I had, but I literally couldn't. And I ended up being like, I actually just need to find help. I need someone to help me. I don't know what that looks like, but I can't, like, I literally couldn't do it on my own. And I think I also got to a point where I was kind of like, do I want the rest of my life to be like this? Do I want, like, for me, I cannot wait to be a mother one day. So that was a massive motivator for me was like, 
I want my body to be at the healthiest point it can be so I can have children because not everyone has that luxury of bringing their own children into the world. And if I'm potentially going to sabotage that because I'm wanting to, like, I'm stuck in this thing or whatnot at the moment, like that was a big motivating driver for me. So yeah, I had to really like dig deep. And I think this is with anything going back to the root cause is you need to dig deep to what is your why, what is your root cause? Because if you don't, have like that I guess trying to pursue this food freedom all that stuff like that is tricky because you don't really know what you're kind of grabbing through like why am I even doing this and all that stuff so went through that process experienced many different flaws and all the mishaps within I guess even the recovery space oh it's messy (laughs) knowing what doesn't And yeah, as you said, it was such a messy process. So I remember going through that stage and I remember at one point I was like, when I come to the other side of this, I want to gain the qualifications I need to be able to help people through this Mm -hmm. and teach people, I guess, the strategies and tools that work for me that work and also get the qualifications of a master's degree to actually be able to guide people through this because when you do look at all this stuff, like it is, you're dealing with people, like you're dealing with Mm. you. Like you need, you can't just kind of use what, oh, this worked for me. So like, this is going to work for you. So yeah, that's kind of my, I guess, story out of it. And even like, if we do like the recovery process, as I said, was so messy. There was ups and downs so many times that, yeah, I would be crying because I'm like, I don't want to eat this food or (laughs) my body's changing, like all those, which I felt at that time so tricky and so hard, but I'm like, I look back on it now and I'm just like, I want to just give her a hug and just be like, everything is going to be okay. You can actually reach food freedom. You can reach full recovery. Like these things are possible, which is why, like, I guess I have my platform because I'm like, I want to promote that empowerment around that and be like, you actually can move through these things. You don't have to live a life in fear of food, having the guilt, anxiety, shame, all those different things. Like you can live a life free, having food freedom um, and having that healthy relationship with food and your body. So yeah, that's kind of long-winded answer of my little journey um, to where I am today, I guess. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. Like that's so raw and real and like really talking about the emotions that you experienced through that because it absolutely is completely right. And I don't think like anyone can really understand if they've never had an unhealthy relationship with food, they don't really know how controlling it really can be. So um, I know so many people are going to be able to relate to that. So thank you again for sharing it. Um, So many things I want to pick out of that. And the first one is like, that's one of my biggest pet peeves in the coaching industry as well is like coaches are, you know, this worked for me, so it's going to work for you. And oh, that does my head in because that's why it's really important to making sure that you are finding a, like a qualified health professional that's actually, you know, gone to university, have a degree, right? Like I could see so many like coaches who are just like upskilling in these personal development courses, but it's like, hang on a minute, like both of us, like I've spent, you know, four years at uni and then two years upskilling on top of that. It's just like, there's so much hard work that goes into studying, but then also, you know, going, um, being able to experience it as well as like this whole another connection piece. So it's really nice that you have like both of those things. I can relate to you so much in terms of there's nothing wrong with me. I'm just being healthy. And that's exactly what I used to say, right? Like, oh, I can't believe people are eating that. I can't believe people are eating those burgers. I can't believe people are adding mayo to their their food because it's just like those were out. Well, there were my beliefs in terms of like, this is healthy. Like this is Mm -hmm. completely, but 
I was completely blindsided as well was what I was doing was completely not healthy. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think we need to normalize the fact that's something that we are saying, but doesn't necessarily mean that what we're thinking. And I say that all the time is like what we think and what we believe is not necessarily always true. And a lot of that time, it's those limiting beliefs that are holding us back from really seeing this full potential. Yeah. In the moment, it's like, it's so hard, right? And that's, I love it how you say just coming with it in a compassionate lens, because that's all you know at the time. Um, The other thing I wanted to pull out was like, I love how you brought up how hard it was to seek help. Because I remember when I needed to get help as well, I tried to do it alone and I absolutely couldn't. But my ego, absolutely. I was like, you just graduated a Bachelor of Clinical Exercise Physiology, right? Like, you know how to exercise, you know how to eat. Like, why do you need to get help? So I think it's really beautiful that you shared that because there is a lot of shame in seeking help. And But when you do, it's can be absolutely pivotal and absolutely life-changing. And I don't like to use those terms lightly, right? Like I'm not, oh, this is life-changing. It actually can be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Uh, um, so I love how this is, it's more like a holistic approach, right? Like it's about food and it's about how we see ourselves and our body image. And I know our body image plays a massive role in terms of what we're choosing to eat and how we're choosing to exercise. And so can you share some strategies or tips that you recommend for people who are wanting to improve their body image and cultivate this healthy relationship with food? Yeah, yeah. So I guess like there is many different tips out there, but I think before you go into the tips, I think firstly acknowledging that there is potentially like something going on, potentially, again, as we said, thinking we're just healthy, it's actually acknowledging that like, if you wake up and the first thing you think about is like, oh, what am I going to eat? Or what am I going to train? Because like, I need to eat less than this or whatever it is. Like, that's not healthy. You shouldn't have those thoughts. Yes, we should give food a kind of like a bit of a thought because obviously as we go back to that gentle nutrition side of things is we still want to look after our bodies and be healthy, but it shouldn't take over your life. It shouldn't take over where like, I don't know, the, what you're going to eat in that day, what, like if you're going to go out with friends, all those different stuff. So I think first of all, acknowledging that there's something to work on, acknowledging the thoughts around it that you might have. I think that's the first kind of key thing. I think when we kind of look at the body image side of things, first of all, I guess practical tips around that is first of all, removing any triggers. So if your whole social media is of, I don't know, the bikini body builders whatever they are people like that's all they are or they're just all models or different things like yeah, of course when job. you wake up yeah of course when you wake up and look on social media you're probably not going to feel great about your body you're probably then going to want to change your body like those things and I think first of all like removing any triggers that trigger you and that again brings that back to that awareness so it's maybe asking yourself or journaling potentially about like what is triggering my body image like is it what I'm consuming in media? Is it what I'm watching online? Is it potentially just like, oh, I've woken up and I've had a bad day. It doesn't mean that my body's bad or anything. It's just because I've woken up and my mood's a bit lower. So I've just got to be a bit more compassionate to myself today. So I think removing any of those triggers broadly is always key. Um, And then like, I guess from that is, as I said, acknowledging that awareness and actually starting to reframe those thoughts that you might have around your body. And this is the other thing where I think people really try and like, I guess, push that body positive 
side of things, which I am all for. I love, I think it's great. But for someone coming from a position that hates their body, that wants to change their body, going from that to body positivity, it's such a far jump where, and then people give up because they're like, I wish I could just be like this girl online who loves her body and accepts her body, but that feels so hard and tricky. And so, yeah, so far away from where I'm currently at. So to me, it's not even like getting to that point. It's literally just, first of all, recognizing, being aware of the thoughts, but then acknowledging and actually just being grateful for your body and what it can do. Additionally, it's just showing that respect and kindness towards it. So if you wake up and you're in a bad mood and you're like, oh gosh, like I'm not really too in love with my body today. And that's totally fine. Like everyone has those days, but it's like, I'm still grateful that I can now go to the gym or I can go for a walk with my friend and get a coffee because my body can do that, you know, and move in that way. And it's going to look different for everyone, whether it's like, oh, I cannot, like, I'm grateful I can go and deadlift hundred kilos or whatever it is at the gym. Like, it's going to look different for everyone, but not going to a point of where you have to stand in the mirror and be like, I love my body yep. to the point of just being like, you know what? I just respect my body is here. It carries me around this earth. Today, I'm going to go out and do this, this, and that, which I'm grateful for. So I think that again is a pivotal kind of step is actually just first of all, getting to a point of respect and kindness around your body. Um, Other things around like practically when we talk about body image is like removing clothes that don't fit you. Like if you have, you feel keeping onto all of your smaller clothes that one day you're going to fit into. I know I said it before, we all say it. I'm keeping that because I'm going to lose weight and fit into it, right? It's still continuing that, I guess, belief in your mind that you have to change your body to wear certain things. You have to change your body to be happy and look a certain way. So again, it's removing all those triggers, removing the clothes, like getting rid of the clothes that don't fit you and slowly replacing it with like clothes that make you feel good, that fit you, make you feel comfortable, all those things. Because again, that's a trigger that's going to spiral you into that process. So yeah, they're like, kind of three really easy practical tips it can go like there's so many different things you can kind of go into with this as well I think another like key thing I guess around if it is someone that is coming from disordered eating eating disorder is kind of remembering back to when you your body was smaller or when it was different or whatever that looks like mm-hmm. and asking yourself like yes I kind of wish and I'm grieving that my body was smaller But if I think back to that time, do I want to go back to when I was cold all the time? I like was hungry all the time. All I thought about was food where I, I don't know, felt like to faint every time I stood up or whatever it was, or I felt weak, like all these different things. It's remembering like, do I want to go back to that unhealthy self or unhealthy body for the sake of being smaller? So it can be remembering back to that and being like, do I want to go back to that life I live? And 99% of the time it's no, (laughs) because you don't want to, like, there's a reason why we started on this journey is you don't, you're trying to get out of that. So it can remembering back to that. And I know for me in my recovery, one affirmation that I used to say all the time was I would like, if I felt uncomfortable in my body, I'd be like, my body is at the healthiest place it is right now, um, not what it used to be. Like that was a key thing for me just to literally as simple as that to say in the mirror. And when I first said it, I didn't believe myself. And this is the thing with these yeah. thoughts is you don't, 
just say this thought once and go, oh, great, my body image is healed. Like, I feel great. It's a constant reprogramming and rewiring of these thoughts. And then, yes, you get to a place where you can move through this world and Waking up and having a bad body image day doesn't take over your life. It doesn't change what you eat that day. It doesn't change how you exercise, all those things. So I think that broadly, I guess, is the body image side of things. If we then talk about cultivating a healthy relationship with food, it's going back to giving yourself, I guess, unconditional permission to eat the foods you want to eat. It's honoring your hunger and fullness cues, like knowing what they look like. It's again, detoxing your social media feed. Like you don't want to be following people that are promoting these diets or different ways of eating, because that's just going to add to the confusion in your brain around what you need to be doing, what's healthy for you. And I think that's so common. I think even for me, it was always like, oh, I just need to try this next new diet, or I need to try this next new program or supplement or whatever it is. Like that's going to be the thing that's going to make me lose the weight. And again, it's this diet culture, just promoting these quick fixes and fad diets when it's like, actually the healthiest thing that you can do is just find your own individual way of eating that makes you feel good. That fuels your body for the activities you want to do, whether it's run a marathon or just be able to go for a walk, like whatever it looks like, it's all individualized. So I think, yeah, coming back to that and just being aware of that, even if we then look into just eating in general, so it's like eating regular meals, not skipping meals. Like if you wake up and you go to the gym and then you run off to, I don't know, catch up with a friend and then like you get to lunchtime and you're starving for food and then you end up I don't know, overeating or potentially binge eating because you're so, so hungry. Like that's just going to contribute to that cycle of feeling bad about then eating too much and different things. So it's like practically if we actually just start eating regular food and not skipping meals, you'll find that, yes, your hunger levels and fullness levels are going to be more in tune with your body, but you don't lead to these binge eating, the overeating, those different things, but then can cycle back into round to feeling shame or feeling guilt and anxiety around different foods. So yeah, that's a bit of all how you kind of work on your body (laughs) image, different food stuff. But as I said, there's many different tips and tricks and tools. And I know personally, when I'm working with my clients and you're probably the same as like, you adapt it to what works for them, what like they feel is best for them, because there's no, just like, just follow this one 10 step program. And when you get there, you'll have the tick of food freedom kind of thing. Like it is a long process, but yeah. Yeah. And I love how you say people have to find what works best for them. And that's one of the biggest things, right? Like these women come to me and they say, what should I be eating? What's the best thing to be doing? Like, what should I? And my first thing I always ask them is, what do you want to eat? Like what lights you up? What do you enjoy? Because if you're not choosing what you're doing, it's not sustainable, regardless of what anyone will ever say to you. Um, I loved how you said the importance of building awareness and not making things mean something about us because I know I used to struggle with that a lot so much in terms of like I'd put on a certain pair of shorts and if they fit me one day, that means I was doing really good. But if they didn't fit me one day, like the next day, then my world was over, like absolutely spiraled. But it wasn't until I was able to hang on a minute build awareness in and around my body is changing like every single day, right? Like I'm holding onto my water. I'm, you know, strength training. I'm, I have more inflammation in my body. Like there's so many reasons why our body fluctuates. So it was so important to be able to learn to not make it mean anything about myself. 
So in your professional experience, what do you believe that uh, some of the really common roadblocks or challenges that people face on their journey to food freedom and body positivity, how do you help them overcome them? Yeah. So I think, I guess like the first one and very common is their body changing. Yeah. Because obviously I guess it's easy enough to say to someone, eat all the foods, give yourself permission, all that stuff. But underlying, it's a fear of the body, like their body changing. They can't eat the foods, which is why they can't do these things. So the biggest challenge, I guess, around it is that fear of your body changing, the fear of weight gain, losing control, not being seen as the fit one, the skinny one. Like there are so many fears, like overarching things that come down to this fear of weight gain. I know personally the day that I chose to commit to like a recovery program, I clearly remember the whole night I was like crying because I knew. Yeah. Like I knew, but I was at such a point of desperation where I was like, I cannot live this way anymore. It's not healthy. I'm sick, like all this different stuff. But I literally cried my eyes out because I knew that committing to this, my body would change. And that at the time was the thing that kept me so safe during that tricky time in my life. It was a coping mechanism. It was the way I got love, worthy, acceptance, so all that stuff. So I think that's why it's such a big challenge is that fear of weight gain, which is why people don't commit, won't commit to this or they aren't ready to because they're like, I just can't let go of my body yet. I can't do that stuff, which is then normally people get worse or people get, I guess, sicker and more down that pathway. So that's normally the biggest challenge. And I think even within that, it's working with someone who understands it and has the tools to guide you through how do we navigate your body changing? How do we find that body acceptance? How do we learn to respect your body? How do we learn to shift your perspective around what weight gain even means? Because I know lots of my clients, when we talk about weight gain, we talk about childhood and all that different things around their body and weight. They say, oh, when I gained weight as a child, my parents commented on it or my parents were always on a diet, like whatever it is. So it's so ingrained in us that weight gain is bad. My body changing is bad. People aren't going to love me. People are going to reject me kind of stuff. So that's usually such a big challenge for everyone because it is so real acknowledging Mm -hmm. that your body changing is going against all of this diet culture beliefs like everything so it's so hard to yet process through that which is one of the first kind of common challenges that come up another one that we did kind of touch on as well is people actually not thinking there's anything wrong thinking what they're doing is a good thing thinking they're healthy all those different things that is another I guess common challenge that comes up is people don't think there's anything wrong because maybe they still have their period maybe they don't I don't know maybe they're like there's so many different things maybe they're not having any injuries or whatever or maybe they are fine with their health and they're not experiencing any of these underlying like I guess concerns that we talk about when someone goes to an eating disorder or disordered eating mm-hmm. um so they don't think there's a problem they think oh I'm fine like it's fine so I think that's another issue I think even if we go into the whole thing around that eating disorders disordered eating there's no one size shape weight whatever it is for an example of what someone with an eating disorder has like it can be anybody race size shape weight whatever it is which is such again a massive barrier to people seeking help because they think they're not sick enough they think there isn't a problem so that's another common issue and concern and I always say to that 
again, if we go back to it, if you're a feel like all you think about is food, if you feel out of control around food, if you find yourself just negative talk all day long around food, your body, those different things, if you find yourself not eating certain things or not, I don't know, having a drama around eating out with friends and not wanting to eat out with friends because I don't know, you didn't train that day, all those different things, having a compulsive kind of addiction with exercise and movement, like you have to go for a run every day, you have to walk, you have to do all these things. Otherwise I can't eat, I can't enjoy these things. I think that's another big challenge and roadblock that people think like have as well is not thinking that there is an issue going on because quote unquote, everything they're doing is very normalized. That makes sense. Um, another thing is not having support. I think that can be a challenge for anyone going through this mm-hmm. with this, when we talk about it, it like it thrives disordered eating, having a negative relationship with food. It thrives in isolation. When you're alone, you've just got your thoughts and all that stuff. And you can try as hard as you can with all the willpower and discipline and everything. But at the end of the day, sometimes you need that guidance, you need that professional support to actually just start to talk about maybe what's going on. Maybe you don't even want to go into food or whatever it is, but just having a listening ear and a a voice of reason, I guess, for maybe why you might think a certain way or why you potentially feel like this isn't the healthiest thing, like whatever it looks like. I think that's another challenge that people can go through is actually not having any support and guidance which then kind of just prolongs the state of being in that limbo kind of state between like I know there's something wrong but I don't know if there's much wrong um but maybe I'll just try it on my own because maybe there's shame or guilt around that as well so I think that's kind of like a common roadblock and I think then the other one as well that can be common is if we talk about food in general and I guess the giving yourself unconditional permission to eat the food Mm. is people going like from one to a hundred straight away. And I'm not saying that's wrong and that may work for someone, but if we even look at like having fear foods and a fear food is a food, maybe that you will say like that you don't let yourself eat or something, or it might come up as a food dislike quote unquote, um, being like, oh, I just don't eat pizza or I'm not a fan of pasta, those different things. Like they're all food rules. Like that's ingrained in your brain that, okay, if I eat that food, I'm going to gain weight or it's going to make me bloated or whatever it is. Like I think people then can go from having all these rules to then being like, I'm going to break all the rules at once. I'm going to, I guess, go all in, which I think, yes, that can work for some people. But if you're coming from this like structured controlling diet to then the complete opposite, it can feel very chaotic and people normally can jump in that way and then be like, oh my gosh, this is too much. And then go straight back to what they were doing because there's the control and there's a structure. So I think that can be another kind of limiting factor around people on this journey is not having that support. Yes, but also just going in fully and thinking that I'm just going to eat all the foods I want and having even that fear around like if I allow myself to eat all the food and have permission around eating whatever I'm just going to eat donuts for six days or I'm just going to eat ice cream and never stop or I can't have the peanut butter in my house because I mean if I have it in my house I'm just going to go through the whole bottle in a day so it's all that fear around that which like yeah it kind of is 
like coming back to the whole eating experience and going through this process is the eating experience is a learning experience. And so when you go through this process and you have these fears around different things, yes, sometimes when you're on your journey to food freedom, you might overeat too much of the peanut butter or whatever it is, but it's all a learning experience. And we don't revert back to the restriction, the guilt and the shame around it. Even if potentially you do give yourself compassion for that. Like you're just learning. You're just trying to find your way through this. It can be messy. It can be up and down, but Overall, I think it's all a learning experience to getting to that point of food freedom, feeling good about their body, being able to respect their body for whatever it is. But yeah, they're common, like, I guess, roadblocks that people either don't seek help or they just feel like it's not going to work for them or recovery is impossible for them. They're the exception. Whatever it is, they're normally the common ones that do come up with my clients. But again, there is many different ones that can come up everyone yeah yeah absolutely and that's why I love these conversations and like bringing awareness to the fact that this is a problem mm-hmm. it is not healthy and because I was the same like I already said before it's like I didn't think there was anything wrong with me I didn't think you know thinking about food all the time I like I've quote unquote thought that was normal I thought it was you know normal to be training because everyone again was commenting on me being like oh she's the fit one she's she's so healthy she's so disciplined she exercises but deep down it was like absolutely destroying my soul so Absolutely bringing awareness to the fact that these things aren't normal and it is really, really important to seek help because you don't really realize what's possible for you on the other side until you're there and you're like, holy shit, life is like a hundred times better and I can't believe that I went through all this suffering for for so long. Um, There was one question I wanted to ask you is I want to ask you in terms of like timeframes that it kind of takes to like, you know, go from this restriction to this food freedom, because I know personally, like a lot of clients that I work with, you know, they're wanting things so quickly and like, you know, within 12 weeks, because at the end of the day, right, like that's what we've been conditioned to. That's what we see or this 12 week diet. But I don't know about you, but for me, my journey was to like two years. So what did that kind of look like for you? And what are some like realistic timeframes that people have to kind of more or less like accept to, Mm -hmm. you know, really getting that freedom in their lives? Yeah. And as you said, it can look so completely different for everyone. It's again, back to this whole, it's all an individual journey, process, experience. So it can look, yeah, completely different for everyone. I know for me at some points of recovery, I was like, yes, I'm doing so good. Like, I'm progressing, I'm eating the foods, I'm like not overtrained, like all this stuff. But then there was a solid period of then six months of where I would, all I would do is cry about my body. I couldn't go to the shops, like all that stuff, which then felt like I would never get out of. And I was like, is this like life? Is this what I have to deal with? Is this just being so ashamed of what my body is and all that stuff? So yeah, it's such a long, different process for everyone. And it is completely going to look up and down. And it's very common to relapse and go back into certain behaviors. And I think that's another thing that I want to normalize is I know personally, I had a, like the first process of when I was doing those eight week challenges and different stuff, like that was like the first kind of trigger for it where I then I guess the time coming around of it when I did fall back into it like that was a relapse which then went back into it so it is so common to have relapses and it for it to be up and down but the time after my relapse it again probably took me like a good two years to get to a point where I can solely say that 
I don't think about food all day. I, yes, I think about food because I'm like, oh, what I want to eat, all these different things. Um, I, <laughs> I want to eat. I don't have any restrictions around like, oh, I can't eat this because it's 5 a.m. or whatever it is, like, or it's 9 p.m. I can't eat these things. And it can kind of like catch you by surprise. Like you probably experience this as like, you might be eating something called doing something and then be like, oh my gosh, I just went and got this food and ate it. And I didn't have a 20 step process in my head about why I should eat it or why I should not. <laughs> so yeah, it took a long time for me. I think like that was from recovering from an eating disorder. Yeah. If it's someone that is potentially just like on the line of potentially disordered eating and just having that like bit of an unhealthy relationship with food, yes, it can become like the process isn't going to be as long. Sometimes you can catch clients in a good place where they're just teetering between it going into something that could be a bit destructive and catch them. And in that point, it might be only a couple of months of just education, awareness, and then they're off on their, like doing a good thing. They're not having those issues and concerns. So it can look different for everyone, depending on where they are on their journey, where they're on their process. But yeah, I think that's what's kind of lovely about it is that, yeah, it's going to be completely different for everyone, depending where someone is on that journey, but it's not going to be a, eight week quick fix of like, I just going to stop doing this and then everything's going to be better. Like it is that thing that you have to continually work on as the years go on because these beliefs and behaviors and habits don't just vanish after an eight week kind of course of it. Um, It's that constant process and programming of it. But I think in those times though, you can bring that education on awareness and the tools around how to deal with those things that might come up in the future and how to get through that really tricky time as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because like when you go through the journey, it's like when you experience for the first time in terms of like, maybe it's Christmas, maybe it's like a time with a partner where you're like, this is the first time where I'm living through this with food freedom. And sometimes it can be quite triggering because you're like, oh my God, I don't know, you know, how to handle it. But then, you know, you have to go through those, all those different experiences to be able to build that trust and to build that new way of living and that reprogramming. And that's why I think having the support element that you spoke about before is really, really, really important to be able to, you know, have the tools to be able to manage it correctly. And that brings us into this last question in terms of like, what role do you see self-care and self-compassion playing in the process of improving one's relationship with food and their body? Yeah. I think like what role it's like, pretty much the whole world. Like it goes through everything we work through, the mind, the body, the food side of things. It is so, so important. Usually a lot of these behaviors, whether we know it or not, are very destructive, right? To our health, to our body, to our mind, all those different things. At the time, potentially we get the high from it. We feel great, like doing all these things. Yes. But usually through the process of becoming aware of like, oh gosh, that's not really healthy. I can't believe I'm doing that. Or I can't believe like, why do I feel so out of control around food? Like I'm just not disciplined, all those things. Like there is so many raw and tricky emotions that come up throughout this whole process, whether you are stuck in the dieting phase, whether you're sliding your journey towards food freedom or whether you're like all the way back and just don't know what even this even looks like, or you don't even know if there's an issue or whatever it is. Self-care and compassion is key in every process and step along the way because it is a messy experience. It's a learning experience. You might overshoot. You might potentially 
think you're feeling your body, but then you might not give yourself enough food and then you don't feel as great. So it's like, okay, cool. Well, I can learn from that and I can maybe add some more carbs into my meal or some more protein, or I can have maybe an extra snack during the day. Like it's such a key process because a lot of the times it is these self-destructive thoughts Thoughts. that keep someone stuck in this process. So it is bringing awareness to that and just being like, I acknowledge that I'm thinking that um, and that is okay. It doesn't make me a bad person. It doesn't make me a mean person. Like I'm human. So yes. acknowledging those thoughts are happening, but it's like, how can I turn this into a more neutral thought yep. or into that positive thought that is going to project you somewhere better than going down into that cycle? So I think it is, yeah, it's throughout every step and process. And even now, when I look back to my experience, I just give myself so much compassion because I can be aware. And you're probably the same, just being like, I was just a little girl trying to find my way in this world. Like I was just trying to do what I thought at the time was the best for me Mm. to receive that love, worthy acceptance, whatever it is. So it's like looking back on that and just giving yourself compassion for that. And even during the recovery phase, like sometimes it is going to feel so hard and tricky. And if you spend three hours in the morning trying to get out of the house because you don't like the way your body look, that's okay. Like it's giving yourself that compassion to be like, this is tricky. I need to sit with how I'm feeling at the moment. What can I do in this moment to make me feel better or just get out of the house for the day? Like it can look so different, but it's, yeah, it's compassion and self-care is so key because yeah, if you kind of neglect all of that, it's again, how, like it's going to be tricky to work on these things because you're going to have a lot of these blocks that do come up around that negative talk mindset and different stuff. Yeah. Wow. What a fantastic way to end the podcast because that's absolutely bang on. The importance of self-care and self-compassion in these moments is so, so important. So thank you so much for being here and taking the time. I honestly appreciate it so much. Where can people learn more about you, what you do, and where they can connect with you? Yeah. So you can um, follow me on Instagram. So <laughs> my Instagram is Christina's Kitchens. I have thought about change that in the past, but I'm also kind of like once you have something, you kind of just like. Me oh, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're just kind of like, oh, it's whatever. Like I really want to change it. So, yeah, you can come find me on Instagram. I'm a dietitian, so I do work one-on-one with clients. Um, I also have a 12-week kind of mentorship program coming out all around food freedom and I guess healing your relationship with food and your body. So I do have a wait list for that if you do want to kind of check that out. It's in, on my Instagram, my bio. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have, yeah, a pretty much a 12-week program that is going to kind of touch on all these things about stop, I guess, hating your body and finding that food freedom, finding joy in life and food again. So that's also, I guess, what else I kind of have going on. Yeah, which is exciting. But yeah, come say hi. If you've got a question, I've always in my DMs replying to people having chat. Um, But yeah, I just absolutely love like working in this space. It makes me so grateful as well to connect with people like you. Like I think Thank you so much for inviting me on and having this chat because like I think the more people we can talk about this and educate 
awareness around this, the better. Because, yeah, I just don't want people, and you're probably the exact same, going through what you went through because you're like, I was aware of how hard and tricky that was. And if I can guide someone either through that process or to avoid that process altogether, like I've, I've had a good day. Like I've done what I'm like here to do. So yeah, that's how you can kind of connect with me and work with me. Um, Otherwise, yeah, as I said, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a wonderful chat. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you love that episode, if you could do me a massive favor and quickly write a review on the Apple podcast, all you have to do is quickly open the app, put in a review, tell me your thoughts, because it really does mean the world to me. I want to reach as many people as possible with this podcast and get this message out that we do not have to sacrifice our souls in order to be happy with our food and exercise. Thank you all for being here. You know, I appreciate you all and I'll see you.